Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Hi, friends. I'm Natalie, and I'm on staff here at CCF as one of the women's ministers. Um, this semester, we've been going through the Psalm series, mostly on Wednesdays, and having students um, share their testimonies on Sundays. Um, we've heard from Kevin thinking about being in the pit, and Reed beginning us with Psalm 139 and thinking about our stories, and Derek encouraging us to ask, how long? This morning, we're going to explore Psalm 121, so let's stand and we'll read it together. I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You can be seated. So trying to pick out a psalm for my sermon this semester, I was consistently drawn back to this psalm, a psalm of a promise of help, consistent, steadfast, supplied by a God who seems near and intimately knowledgeable of the plea of the one who calls out in fear of the danger that they seem to be facing. This reminded me of a season in which I desperately wanted and called out for help. My last semester of undergrad was marked with a lot of anxiety about the future. I was unsure of my plans post-graduation, and I was waiting an acceptance at Truman for their grad program for Comdes. But if I wasn't accepted, then what would I do? It was hard to imagine that if I was rejected from Truman's program, that I would be accepted to a different grad program that wouldn't start into the fall, nine months later after I'd graduated, and even with the odd chance that that had worked, what was I supposed to do for those nine months? The deep anxiety of not knowing ate at me, and my chest often felt tight and heavy with, con with a constant stream of thoughts that I seemed unable to control. Compounding this anxiety was this underlying uneasiness with my own faith. The Bible was a place of discomfort and unrest, and I didn't seem to find comfort in the words that I didn't understand and seemed to be tainted by human touch. It no longer seemed to provide the life and comfort as it had before. God felt far, archaic, and silent, silent to my desperate pleas and questions, silent to the anxiety that had been building. I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. A song of ascent or a part of a group of psalms that would be thought to be sung as the Israelites traveled to Jerusalem for their festivals. A journey that was filled with both Im imminent danger from the terrain and the heat of the desert and the hill country. The hills surrounding Jerusalem may have been filled with the surrounding community's pagan idols. Therefore, looking to the hills revealed both the difficult journey ahead to the city, full of potential danger, or in choosing who or what will be their help. The help from the options placed in the hills or their own God. The psalmist wonders aloud, who will help them? 
followed by this repetitive pattern response of the Lord as keeping or guarding them. As I looked towards the unknown, I wanted to believe that my help came from the Lord, trusting that to my plea, he would answer with help. And then finally, mid-semester that fall, I received an answer, an acceptance letter to Truman. When I started grad school that following spring semester, I was surprised to find that the uncontrolled voices in my head were replaced by this deep, persistent sadness. At first, it seemed manageable and easy to shove down, but by the beginning of February, I was often unable to get out of bed. To get my body to move felt like it stole all of my energy. The never-ending brain fog that couldn't keep facts straight, let alone information from my endlessly, increasingly difficult grad classes. And as I tried to stave off these feelings and motivate myself to complete my coursework, I felt this constant inadequacy in my program. I didn't have the passion that the other students had, backed by their knowledge and fervor for the profession, and I felt lost in my clinic assignments, lacking the knowledge of how to perform therapy. I dreaded my night clinic client, a young autistic girl who had echolalia. Echolalia is someone who responds by repeating a word or phrase, typically in the same intonation pattern as their conversation partner, instead of coming up with something spontaneous to say. So if I had said, what's that? She would say, what's that? I was overwhelmed, and the inadequacy I felt seemed to beget these symptoms of depression. In desperate attempt to fix things, I somewhere along the line picked up two habits, baking bread every weekend and trying to go on walks. Bread was baked on the weekend, something that I felt I could accomplish reliably. The mixing and kneading and then rising and kneading and baking helped me most weekends to find a reason to leave my room. Walks were aimlessly wandering around the streets of Kirksville, paying attention to the change of weather or the people in my neighborhood. I tried to go outside and move, even if it was just down the block and back. And some days it worked, and more successful days I ran, and others have succumbed to the desire to stay in bed all day. I told a few of my closest friends, and they also seemed to try their best to help me, in each in their own way. Sam would often come and lay with me in my twin bed, careful to not touch me because physical touch often made me feel trapped and suffocated. And she would always say, if you want to talk, I'm here, or we can just lay here. And we'd often just lay in silence for a few hours. Or sometimes she would drive me down Highway 11 to see if we could pull over and watch the cows, always letting me roll down the windows, shooting the cold air in my face as I hoped that it would somehow change and shake my feelings of misery. Alan and Jord would spend lots of weekend nights watching a show or talking to each other while I lay on the couch next to them. Alan always patting my head when he noticed that I had tears silently falling, as if he knew there was nothing he could say to heal the deep sorrow that I felt. I begged my night clinic supervisor, Terry, to give me more information on autism and echolalia, and sometimes she did give me resources or an idea for therapy, but usually what she said surprised me. She would often tell me something about the therapy session that I saw as insignificant or something about who I was that made my client feel calm and safe and secure, something that she couldn't teach me, she kept saying. And in my state, I thought, that's nice, but I still have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to fail this class. And as the days turned into weeks and weeks changed into months, my depression deepened and I felt betrayed by the lack of comfort and help that I thought had been promised to me. I felt the need for help was oozing out of me. And some days I felt I had God's nearness, but often it felt more like silence and absence. 
more like God had fallen asleep to my pleas versus the promise of him keeping me. The sun felt as if it had stricken me with my constant exhaustion and brain fog. My foot certainly felt moved and more in the direction of falling to death like the traveler to Jerusalem whose stumble could be fatal. The psalmist, my help comes from the Lord, followed by the claims of the Lord is your keeper, didn't seem true and I often thought, what help? My grades were slipping, the girl was still repeating my words back to me with her blank eyes, I couldn't seem to find the energy to do anything other than exist. The constant feeling of heaviness persisted and seeming to drag me down from anything that I needed or wanted to get done. My situation didn't seem to change, rather worsen, and it seemed as if there was no help. Did that mean that God doesn't help? Or perhaps I had it wrong. As Barbara Brown Taylor would say, did God fail to make everything turn out all right? Then perhaps God is not a fixer. So who is God? If the answer of help was not fixing my situation of depression or my grades or the competency in my program, then what is help? Our psalmist proclaims help is, he will not let your foot be moved. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. You're coming out and you're coming in. Was I disillusioned to the help that was given to me, only looking for results in which fixing would be the answer? Or was it true? Did God just not help? That spring semester finished and I managed to pass my classes with low grades. And my depression seemed to kind of be lifting. I still felt the persistent sadness, but the depth of feelings seemed to be more manageable. And I was able to resume some of my daily tasks with, with less dread and exhaustion. And as summer turned to fall, my daily walks turned to runs and then longer runs. And then all of a sudden, I found myself training for a marathon, partly because running was the one place where my brain seemed to be calm and the pervasive sadness seemed not to touch. And as I clocked the hours and miles for training, I found myself asking questions, wondering and praying, returning to the questions I had ignored that past year about God asking the questions and pouring myself out honestly in a way that I had refrained to from before because of the fear of those answers. As I began these conversations with myself and God, I kept returning to this thought of baptism. And as I wrestled with the decision to get baptized, it began to connect with me that perhaps I'd missed it, the help that I had been given. Perhaps I had overlooked the ways in which help had come to me. My own experience with working as a, as a speech therapist has helped give me a, a better understanding of how I view help. When I work with a client, help is never giving them a task, then taking it for them when they're struggling with it and giving it back to them completed and fixed. It is not to take the difficulty out of the challenge away from them. Instead, what help looks like is teaching them, sitting there with them while they work on the task, giving them the direction, the encouragement, and the reminders as they need them. It's not that they have all the answers or that they know exactly how to do every part. Rather, they trust the direction in which I'm leading them. What matters most is the rapport that I have built with that client and our relationship of trust. Without this rapport, the client would never follow my lead, and so a lot of my time is spent building that trust with them. That means that when the task is difficult, I know them intimately enough to anticipate the frustration and provide the help before they get there. 
This relationship of trust is where the clients thrive and often make the most gains in their therapy. Perhaps the shade of my, on my right hand was Sam laying with me in my bed for hours or the drives down Highway 11, or perhaps the care that Alan and Jord and Allie showed me. Just enough to be near, giving me temporary relief from what I was experiencing. Not an overwhelming relief and fixing that I desired, yet enough to deepen the trust between the two of us and propel me forward. Maybe the help from the sun, maybe the help of the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night was the nourishment of the practicing of baking bread. While I kneaded the dough, I often repeated the Jesus prayer that we recited in CCF. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Perhaps through the quiet workings of that prayer worked its way through me, like the yeast through the dough sustaining me, sustaining that small amount of faith that I had left, letting the, faith of that, letting the hope of that faith do its work on me, rather than letting the exhaustion and sadness overwhelm me to a point of spiritual sickness. Perhaps he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep, came in the way in the help of Terry. Terry, who chose to speak words of life over me, who reminded me of who I was and my own gifting, rather than just teaching me to work with my autism or echolalia. She was showing me through her care that God was not asleep to my pleas, but knew that I, what I really needed was not to be consumed with what I didn't know, but rather trust that what could be formed between the two of us would be the space to provide growth in the same way that it did in speech therapy. Maybe he will not let your foot be moved happen during my runs. Perhaps running was gently leading me towards the right direction, creating space to ask my questions and give my own honest answers. Maybe running was the vessel that kept my foot steady, planted in the challenge of wrestling with God about my faith, my mental state, my future, and rather than letting my foot stumble, steady towards moving to the place of safety that was learning to trust, to trust the things that I did not know or understand. These are the things that I pondered as I ran, slowly realizing that I had missed the help, the faithfulness that the Lord had been given me during this season because I was looking only for the fixing. It may have not been the help that I wanted, but it was the help that I needed. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way, this is the food that the people of God have been given to live on. It is not what most of us have ordered. It is, no, it is nothing we can grow all by ourselves. We, no one, and no one may stockpile it for his or her own use. Day by day by day, we are given not what we want, but what we need. Sometimes it is a feast, and sometimes it is swept crumbs. But by faith, we believe that it is enough to sustain us, if only because it comes from the hand of God. Our help comes to us in many forms. In the end, what matters most about help is that not that it's fixing the problem, but the relationship of trust that it creates. The same relationship of trust that contributed to the decision of baptism, even with all of my unanswered questions, because of the way that I had seen the Lord remain faithful to me through his help to me in that season. The help begets trust, and trust begets hope, and hope begets faith. And as the trust grows, the quicker we are to see the help as it comes and further as it deepens your faith. My own relationship with depression and anxiety has not disappeared. 
Rather, it is when I re-enter those seasons, I better see the help as it comes because I have a better understanding of what to look for. My eye is better attuned to see the help as it nourishes and deepens my own trust and faith in the places that I do not know or understand. And of course, sometimes I miss it altogether. But I can look back and firmly remember that the Lord keeps my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And he will keep my life. Lord, I... I thank you for the ways in which I have seen your help and and the ways that I have missed it, that you have redirected my gaze to see that and understand it. Lord, I pray that we would be more honest in our pleas to you, more honest about the help that we think we need or want. And I just pray that maybe we would be able to recognize the help, the type of help that we don't know that we need, and and not just look for the help that we want. And may may that help further bring us um, closer to you. In your name we pray, amen.